Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host today, Julianne Lamar, and we have with us the Chief Executive Officer at ECS Global. Welcome to the show, Luther Garcia. Hello, Julianne. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Luther. Um, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we're all interested. Go ahead and tell us about ECS Global Solutions. So about, I guess it was about 2010, uh, a business partner of mine and a very good friend of mine from England named Anthony Huggett, uh, called me up on the phone, and he said, uh, so what are you doing these days? And at the time, we were sort of finished with our, our last deal that we did. And so I had some time. I said, not too much. What are you doing? And he said, well, uh, we're looking at buying an LED manufacturer out of Finland, actually. And I said, an LED manufacturer? What, light bulbs, really? I can't believe that. <laughs> so Because, you know, we've come from technology, so it's a slightly different background. The thing about LED lighting is that it's very linear in terms of its return on investment and its value proposition. So, for example, if I replace a 50-watt halogen lamp with a 6-watt lamp, then you can see right there we're reducing the energy by, you know, 80, 90 percent, whatever that comes out to, the operating hours, cost per kilowatt hour, bang. You can see, you know, how much money you're saving right away. So it sounded like a really good business. And then we realized what a horrible idea it would be to be an LED manufacturer. So... Um, they were looking at buying this company called LedZen, which is a horrible name. So we changed the name to Finergy, like Finnish Energy. 
kept the name, uh, didn't buy the manufacturer. And I said, okay, look, I'll develop the business in the United States and uh, you guys do your thing in the UK and then we'll put the businesses together. Long story short, we ended up, uh, you know, closing some business and learning how the uh, the lighting, the turnkey lighting uh, industry worked in the United States. And we bought a company called ECS in 2013. Uh, ECS had some really great customer, well, some really great assets that we could leverage. We felt like, you know, the, the market was heating up for LED lighting and solid state lighting. What, what I've tried to do in the past with some success uh, and mostly a lot of luck is identify disruptive technologies, services, or global market trends that I could, you know, add value to or take advantage of um, in terms of opportunity-wise. And LED lighting was one of those opportunities. So the market really started exploding in, I would say, 2014. But, but before that, and, in, in, you know, from 2010 to 2013, it was very hard uh, closing LED lighting sales. The product, there was a lot of quality um, issues with product coming from China and that sort of thing. Uh, the product was very expensive. It was very dependent on rebates and incentives from, you know, uh, all these utilities across uh, across the country. But we were able to really, really uh, establish uh, some very good business. And, you know, obviously with the acquisition of ECS, we had a really good track record. So, for example, we are the national lighting provider for Macy's, for Bloomingdale's, for Hudson Bay companies, um, you know, uh, all the Saks Fifth Avenue, Lord & Taylor, all those LED rollouts across the country. We did hundreds of their stores. Um, we are the national lighting provider for uh, Citibank, um, as well as, uh, you know, with Bank of America. We do a lot of things with C.B. Richard Ellis and General Electric and Cushman Wakefield and all these sorts of things. So the business has really exploded, which is great because all these uh, all these companies are doing massive LED rollouts and relamping uh, over the next few years between now and sort of 2020. So that business is going really well. As we started getting into that business, uh, you know, an opportunity came up to say, hey, what about the rest of the, you know, energy consumption? What about the rest of the energy budget or the electricity spent? So, you know, lighting is probably only about 20 to 25% of the energy consumption in your average building. And we're based out of Brooklyn, so we do a lot of stuff in New York City. So these are very large buildings that are consuming a tremendous amount of electricity. And, um, you know, we decided, hey, maybe there's some opportunities to attack uh, some other areas of energy consumption and add value there. So are you still with me? I've been talking for a long time uninterrupted, and sometimes <laughs> I have to, uh, I could just go on forever. So maybe I'll take it for <laughs> I'm. I'm I'm right here with you. I was just kind of thinking about the 25, 20 to 25% of energy consumption uh, that you were talking about and how that relates to, you know, the cost of doing business and how a change in that could, could potentially mean a lot of savings for a company. Sure. So, for example, uh, I'll tell you right now, the Macy's rollout, this was back in about 2012. Uh, that was a $40 million project, um, which got... Um, 14 million in incentives, right? Across all 50 states, it was around 900 stores, uh, 1.3 million LED power lamps. We did that project. And the energy savings were $25 million a year just off of the lighting. So you can see there with 40 million, right? Minus the 14 million uh, in incentives, right? It's basically 26 million. The project had a return on investment of basically about a year, maybe 1.1, something like this. So, you know, there's LED lighting, I consider the gateway drug to sustainability, right? It's, it's right there, it's easy, it's low-hanging fruit, it's linear, it's easy to understand. But actually the real wins 
are in um, HVAC, um, air conditioning, environmental controls, right? Could be also in heating, depending on, you know, if your heating is gas or electric, if there's electric heating pumps or gas or, or you know, how you heat your building. So we started, we, we, we launched, we, we're organized into studios, right? So this is, comes from our technology backgrounds. So we have our lighting intelligence studio, which is the lighting business, which we've just talked about. And now we launched uh, a couple of years ago, we launched our BI studio, our building intelligence studio. So we brought over some really smart people from uh, companies like Schneider Electric and, and other places in the industry. And we have launched our building automation and controls business. And what's happened from 2013, from when we acquired ECS and, you know, it was all about solid state lighting or, you know, what everybody calls LED, um, to, to sort of now is that the last couple of years, you know, last year and a half in particular, um, there's been sort of a, a cons not so much a consolidation, but the solid state lighting with controls has got in with building Internet of Things and sustainable energies and building automation. So all of these sort of forces have sort of combined into this one huge global market opportunity that is compounding. This compounded growth is, you know, throughout the, the, the planet, it's, it's massive, it's enormous. So it's fantastic. So the whole idea now is that we can control every electron that goes in and out of, you know, these buildings. We can make them more efficient. We can uh, get tons of data uh, on all these systems and how they're being used, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the movement of people or the movement of heat and cooling, uh, you know, movement of light, security, integrating things that were traditionally in silos, um, like card key access and lighting and BMS, building management systems, you know, cooling, uh, heating, all these sorts of things and combining them and basically taking all these data sets and putting them through a data analytics platform, which we've created. And, and you know, basically with that, we're able to provide tremendous amounts of value and efficiency in how these buildings are operating and running. So, if you go back to when we were talking about how lighting is 25% of the energy consumption, you know, now we can actually hit, you know, 60, 70% of the energy cons consumption and we can have a huge impact on that. And, you know, we've been very lucky um, to have some tremendous success and, and, and basically opportunities with some very large uh, property development, uh, you know, companies in the United States uh, and in particular here in the New York market. So we actually now manage, control and run. We're the BMS service provider for a, a number of iconic and large buildings in New York. I'm not going to get into all of which ones are there are specifically because these are highly sought out, <laughs> highly sought out um, properties and, and, uh, and customers. And, you know, it's kind of sensitive and, and, and um, you know, we have to be careful about what we, what we say. But long story short is we have a tremendous opportunity to basically, uh, you know, add value, have a high, high margin, recurring revenue business with some of the, the, the most sought after uh, property development management companies and properties um, across the country. And basically these, these companies are allowing us to develop our analytics platform and really manage and operate and run these platforms. It's really transforming the way that they um, manage and operate these buildings. So that's kind of where ECS is today. It's really an exciting time. Um, to be where we are. The market is really exciting and, and growing. And, you know, we're at sort of at a, at a really, really interesting point where we can really blow this thing up now and, and do something really special. So that's kind of where we are uh, with our business. That's wonderful. Um, going back to the energy intelligence, are, these, are you using, you know, AI in a way to 
to kind of optimize and balance your, your building systems for your, your lights and air conditioning and heating and all that? Do they communicate to each other kind of through an Internet of Things? Yeah, so that's the idea is that, you know, we can communicate with all these data points, right? So there's there's different data points, like in a building like, for example, hypothetically, let's say the MetLife building. I don't know if you're familiar with that building. It's about 3 million mm-hmm. square feet um, in, uh, in New York City. Um, a building like that might have, say, 10,000. Uh, data points that uh, that you would have to be able to you know sort of manage and monitor, and um, so the whole idea is you take these points and you have you you create an analytics platform that allows for you to a map out um, and discover where everything is you know from the time that you you sort of have a benchmark from the time that you run your platform, and then b identify areas where uh, it's not as efficient or optimum or operating out of spec. Um, and then you basically take this data and you use it to uh, run, manage, and optimize the building. So any any task then that you would have people do, um, what you try and do is, you know, add an element of machine learning to where, um, you know, these tasks, once you do it once by yourself, you then automate those tasks. And then what happens is really you're seeing a lot of companies come out of Silicon Valley that are app companies and they're grading, you know, they raise tremendous amounts of money for um, an app platform, one of these data analytics platforms. And they're typically doing it, you know, they'll do a five-year revenue projection. They'll get something like a 30 to 40 times multiplier on their projected revenue. They haven't even sold it to anybody yet. And then they'll go out and they say, look, we created this incredible platform. You know, we, we took the, uh, you know, this algorithm that defect, you know, detects or can predict you know, faults in a jet engine and we applied it to buildings and everyone says, okay, great, but how are you going to get it in the building? So what we've done is we found the way to be successful is to actually combine service. So, be, you know, building management or building auto- automation service uh, with the opportunity to then go around and then create a, a bespoke data analytics platform for each, you know, uh, property development or each portfolio holder, whoever owns these, these, uh, you know, this real estate, whether it's a, a real estate investment trust or whether it's, a, you know, a national retail chain or, you know, all these kind of things. So so the whole idea is we're actually in the building and the way to be successful and actually, you know, get your analytics platform out there generating high margin recurring revenue and actually be able to achieve and justify those kind of valuations is to combine the actual platform itself with the service. And obviously that gets married to the opportunity. So we're already providing uh, building automation services um, in partnership with, for example, Schneider Electric, and into some of these really large and uh, you know really iconic sort of properties. And you know by being able to do that, we're able to actually you know get a lot of uh, square footage under management. And you know as a result, our platform really you know gets to learn a lot. We collect a lot of data that is also an asset and it's also very valuable. So. That's kind of the, the strategy and the approach that we're taking. And, um, you know, we, we're, 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 we've been uh, lucky enough to be pretty successful with it uh, to date. That's fantastic. And as far as security goes, you know, when you have some things, when you have lighting or you have all these things that hook up to this, this communicative grid type system, you know, security is always coming up. So I know you guys offer some flexible IP security platforms. You want to talk about those a little bit? Yes, security is very important. Um, you know, uh, if you go back to, you know, there's a number of incidents that have happened where I guess, I don't know, about five years ago at Target, 
you know, the uh, the retail, the big box retailer Target. They oh, yeah, I remember that. Had, I remember that one. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, like a couple of million of their, you know, their credit card, their credit card database got hacked, basically. And the way that, you know, the hackers got in was they got in through the backness. There's different protocols with uh, with BMS, uh, building management systems. I think it was a backnet was the protocol it was running. So they had a backnet system that was basically controlling their, you know, HVAC systems. And that's actually, you know, how the hackers got into it. So security is critical to, to any system that's going to go in, especially something that is married with service. So, for example, it doesn't do you any good. We'll put in a box, um, you know, on a site. It's going to basically be communicating with the, the building management system and, you know, getting all this data. And if, you, if there's a problem, what do you have to do? You have to send an alert so that then the system can either, A, if it's something that it's seen before, either automatically go in and say, okay, if this problem, then do this solution. If that's fixed, great, close out the trouble ticket. Or B, if that's still a problem, then generate a trouble tracking ticket, and then that gets to get emailed. So what we have to do is all the communications have to be sort of either encrypted or we have to go through, um, you know, whatever systems they have in terms of for how they send email out or how they communicate um, to the outside world as well. So security is a huge part of everything we do. The other part of security is that security is a data point. <clears throat> so in terms of, you know, these these systems are, these buildings are huge. So imagine, you know, a, a, a building like the Chrysler building, you know, that's got a ridiculous amount of, you know, even air handling units and all these fans and all these things to keep this these chiller plants, you know, <laughs> Cooling towers, all these things, all this Chrysler building doesn't really have a cooling tower, but all, all these systems that they have to be able to, to, to cool and, and, and warm this, this, this amount of real estate, you know, millions of square feet, you know, it's, it's, it costs an incredible amount of electricity. If there's inefficiencies that, 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 that go, that, that, uh, that exist or that are operating, that don't get addressed or don't, don't get, get fixed, and also that don't, um, you know, when do you start the building, when do you stop the building, when do you start these systems, when do you shut them down? There's sort of different sort of, you know, grids or graphs that are more desirable than others in terms of uh, the amount of money that it's going to cost to, to start these systems. So where does security come into this? Well, by being able to tie in the card key access with your building automation systems, you know exactly when the people on each office in each floor in the entire building, you know when they're coming and going. So by tying in the security systems, the security systems are another data point that tie in people and the movement of people, because that's really what all these, you know, that's why we like the buildings. That's why we keep them cool. That's why we keep them warm. It's for human beings, right? So security and, you know, is, is a great uh, data point and also something that is very useful to integrate into all these building automation systems. So it's a combination of A, securing all this important data, securing your access with the Internet of Things, the ability to, you know, impact and have a control on the electrons that are coming in and out of this building. But then also using security, which is securing people, to use that, integrate that data set to be able to, um, you know, use that data to really be efficient as to when you should start and stop and run and control and turn on and turn off and lower the temperature and raise the temperature in, you know, of these very uh, various systems. So security is very important in what we do, both in terms of securing the data and in, as an integration data set of data points. Oh, absolutely. And and it seems like you have really had a lot of thought go into how to implement these things, how they're reacting with your customers, with with the security breaches, all of it, in a really nice, 
little community of, of things working together to improve the security each time, which is great. So if people want to get, you know, get hooked up with either your operations manager, your security, your energy intelligence, you know, what is the best way to contact you about that and to become a customer? Yeah, they can do it right on right on our email, uh, right on our website. You know, they can they can go to that, and you know, there's a way to contact, ways to send us emails or even call us directly. Um, so this is a great way to do it. Uh, the the way we tend to get business um, is we tend to deal with sort of the ecosystem that services all of these customers. So, for example, you know, we we're, we're you know, you have um, mechanical engineering companies. So these are the companies that are making and servicing and selling all the actual big machinery that runs these buildings, right? So we we tend to to, to you know have a good relationship with these guys. We'll do the controls, the intelligence, the building automation part of it. So the whole idea is if, if they get specced in, then, you know, they'll call us up and then we'll get, you know, sort of revenue that way or opportunities that way. So it's a sort of an indirect channel sales kind of strategy. The other way is obviously um, through the portfolio managers. So these big, 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 um, you know, property development companies like Cushman Wakefield and C.B. Richard Ellis and Tishman Spire and companies like this. So where the whole idea is we we uh, will come in as a, as a Schneider partner and then, you know, work on becoming the BMS spec for these buildings. So then once you're the spec, anytime something happens, they just call you. So it would be for all the common areas and all the tenants of all these buildings. And then a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of these companies, they own, you know, hundreds of millions of square feet across the country. So 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 the whole idea is, is you know, we're, we're absolutely, and then some of it is direct customer opportunities where we'll, we'll 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 meet somebody or we'll do a lighting project and then they'll say and then we'll say hey oh by the way we can help you with your who's your energy supplier you know we can help you save money this way and oh by the way you know we notice that you don't have a lot of controls here we can help you on this side of the market and the market is uh, or, or this side of your your building and the market is kind of interesting because probably only about ten percent of the market are these huge skyscrapers ninety percent of the market is small to, you know and I'm talking about the commercial market not the residential. Um, you know, 90% of the market is really, you know, these smaller, small to medium size, um, you know, opportunities. And there's a lot of them. And most of them don't have building automation or building controls on the small to, to medium side. So the, the market is just, it's a bottomless pit of opportunity. And, you know, that's why it's growing at a, at a, at a compounded rate of, it's like 30% or something. It's ridiculous, uh, the, the compounded annual growth of uh, the building automation and controls market. Um, so it's exciting. Oh, incredibly exciting. And and so many different avenues it can go in and ways that it can improve situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, and what we do is, you know, it's really good what we do. I mean, obviously, it's, it's very lucrative and it's valuable. It, it you know, it's, it saves people money. It obviously, if you own a property, it's also your tenants are, are comfortable. If, if the, you know, it's all about humidity and heat. If you don't get that right, your tenants are going to be unhappy. It also increases the value of the asset that you own. If you own this real estate and it's, and it's a smart building, you know, you're going to build more equity in it because you're going to be able to charge your tenants more money. You're going to be able to attract more tenants because if your building isn't smart, they're going to go to another building that is. So, for example, in New York City, we have something called Hudson Yards. And Hudson Yards is this massive, uh, just this massive real estate uh, development. Um, that's going on sort of on the west side of Manhattan. And it's insane. And all these buildings are brand new and they're spending billions and billions of dollars on these things. And they're, you know, a lot of these buildings are smart coming out of the, uh, 
coming out of the, uh, you know, coming off the corn shell, we call it, coming out of the ground. So, you know, some of these older, more iconic buildings, if they want to, you know, keep their tenants, they have to upgrade and, and, and build intelligence into their buildings. The whole idea is building intelligence is, uh, is, is, uh, is critical for a staying competitive, keeping your tenants and, you know, being able to maintain the value of the equity you have. So, so it's a tremendous, you know, value proposition for them. But then on top of that, what are we doing? We're reducing car- we're reducing energy, we're reducing carbon emissions. So everybody's making money, everybody's happy, and we're not doing anything evil, you know? So it's a fantastic, uh, it's a great business. I love that. Do no evil. That is a really great way to, to live your life. Although I will say that, that Google said do no evil, and now I think they seem to be very evil now. So I'm not <laughs> sure how that goes. <laughs> oh, I don't know about very evil, but potentially some controversial evil. <laughs> Dude, they have all your data. They have everybody's data. Google. Who knows more than Google? God, God help oh, us when AI when they when their AI figures everything out. You know, they've got all the YouTube <laughs> videos. They've got everything. Every search term. That's amazing. Knowledge is power. They've got you know information is power. They've got all of it. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> well, Luther, it has been a pleasure talking with you today on Future Tech Podcast, and and thank you for explaining all the really incredible opportunities that Global Solutions is offering to businesses worldwide. Great. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. That was Luther Garcia. He's the Chief Executive Officer at ECS Global Solutions. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.